Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann. Joining us on Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann this morning, career politician and academic Mary Metcalf. She's got a particular bent for the education system. Reflecting on the class of 22 as far as matrix go, Mary, general impressions? Uh, oh, in morning, by the way. Hello, Darren. General impressions are that we have improved beyond what I would think were the expectations of many, remembering that this class of 2022 have a, had a three-year preparation period and the first two years of 20, 2020 and 2021, they lost so much time because of COVID. Mm. And lost time means loss of opportunity to learn. And the last two years, we saw a slight decline in terms of performance and this year where there was more a bit more time the class really surged and came through many more learners succeeded than in previous years it was a larger class that was over nine hundred thousand, and a higher percentage pass so we have something like half a million young people who succeeded which is fabulous two questions to follow up on that firstly i see that no district fell below a 60% pass rate. I hope that's right. Maybe your thoughts on why that happened. And then with the number of matrics leaving the school system now, they're going to be looking for jobs and some tough times possibly uh, lie in wait for them. Any thoughts on how they can deal with that? Okay, so let's start with the, the second question is, yes, there's several challenges. There's the question of what young people do after school. Some may want to go directly into the job market and we do not have <coughs> a highly la um, labor absorbing economy at the moment and generally education is used as a filter to select people you have a better chance of getting a job that doesn't require post-school qualifications if you've got a national senior certificate than if you don't you've got a better chance of getting into a university the better your matric pass rate, you've got a better chance of getting into the TVET system, technical, vocational and education training um, colleges, if you've got a diploma pass. So let's look at those categories. In terms of a bachelor pass, now what, me, what a bachelor pass means is that you've passed at a sufficiently high level that you qualify to apply to a university. And there's about 23,000 more young people who have passed with that um, category of pass. So there will be pressure on places in universities. The TVET colleges, which are so poorly understood in terms of their value in society, would probably be a viable um, place for many young people to seek the kind of training that would assist them to be entrepreneurs themselves and to be employed. And those colleges, we have 50 of them across the country. And if you have achieved a high certificate or a diploma or even an NEC pass, you're eligible to apply. Those two options, I think we need to look at with much more information, particularly the TVET colleges. So we do have challenges in terms of labor absorption, but there are possibilities for post-school education and training, which young people need to look at. I wonder if you have thoughts on one of the rumors that uh, has been doing the rounds, 
saying, questioning the quality of the passes and that the final numbers were bumped up a little on what they actually were. You know, I'm very firm on this point. We have in South Africa a quality assurance system which is separate from the examining authority. So let's say what's an examining authority. For example, the DBE is an examining authority. The IEB is an examining authority for the National Senior Certificate and other qualifications. Now, the IEB, uh, the, the Umalusi took a decision which is a correct decision, although many people um, f felt it was harsh, but I believe it was correct. When we had the first year of COVID and it was such a difficult year, people were saying, why don't we just be a bit more sympathetic to the class of 2020? And Umalusi said, no, they are not compromising their standards. All of their standard settings look at consistency of quality across all years. So the class of 2020 had to perform at the same level in terms of their standardization techniques as the learners three or four years before, sure. five years before. And that's because you don't want to go through life saying, oh, your NEC 2020, ugh, you know, doesn't mean anything. And that's been applied in 2020, 21, 22, which means that every learner can stand by their certificate and say this has been measured to be of the same quality as any other year. I'm really pleased to hear that. I think many out there will be as well. A question regarding the Eastern Cape specifically, please, Mary. We're, we're very impressed that the uh, pass rate has improved for the class of 2022, but it seems that we're always near the bottom of the list of the achieving provinces, along with Limpopo, um, which I've also noticed there. What is the reason for this? Sure, there are challenges, but I imagine those particular challenges also exist in the other provinces. Eastern Cape and Limpopo, the lowest. Is it anything to do with uh, rich and poor? Absolutely. I really want to congratulate Eastern Cape for their improvement. Um, they improved this year by what was the percentage? I think I'm going to just quickly look and see that it improved by 4%. There have been major challenges in the Eastern Cape this year. There's been massive restructuring, realignment of districts, all of that has a huge implication on the support that's offered to schools. And one of the key points I always want to make about the NEC results is all of the credit has to go to schools and learners. This education system must support them. But what we see in Eastern Cape is a massive improvement of 4%, still near the bottom. Now, I did some work. I'm on the weekend looking at these results because I always feel interprovincial comparisons are unfair. To look at Hating or Western Cape and say, look how well they do, look how badly Limpopo and Eastern Cape does, is really, really unfair. And I used three indicators to look at the social inequalities. One of the indicators is the National School Nutrition Program. And I, you know, every day of a school year, of the school year, nine million young learners get a school meal, a, a meal at school, just to enable them to learn. Socially, that's that's an indictment, and as a country, we've got to do better in terms of addressing poverty. But listen to this: in the Eastern Cape, ninety-three percent of learners 
qualify for that school meal, whereas in the Western Cape it's 35%. That's a stark indicator of the inequality between those two provinces. If you look at what percentage of learners are, well, that's the whole education system, but of the class of 2022, if you look at how many learners are recipients of social grants um, and the range of social grants, in the Eastern Cape, um, let me look at the, yeah, Eastern Cape, it's 87% of the learners who wrote the 2022, this cohort, 87% have been or are recipients of social grants. It's only 64% in the Western Cape. We are looking at a class of 2022 in the Eastern Cape that is learning under conditions of poverty at home, and of course at school with the backlogs that we have there. So you can't compare provinces. Eastern Cape must be celebrating the success and we must carry on supporting schools and teachers and learners because that's where the improvement is happening. Mary, one of the problems from the department's point of view, I think, is getting learning materials, textbooks and so on to learners in time at the start of every school year. That is a problem which we face in the Eastern Cape perennially. We try and change things, we try and make things better, but there seems to be one or two of these little problems that keep popping up at the start of every school year. Thoughts on how we can make that better? Because obviously it disadvantages learners. It's a huge disadvantage. The primary source of an opportunity to read independently is the textbook, especially given the absence of libraries that learners can research in. My understanding, and I um, hope that officials who may be listening to this phone in to correct me if I'm wrong, but the problem is that the school year doesn't align with the financial year. The government's financial year goes from uh, April to March every year. And some provinces which have fewer resources, in my view, struggle to meet their financial obligations for the first term, well, the last quarter of the financial year and the first quarter of the academic year. And my understanding is that last year in the Eastern Cape, they were not able to deliver the textbooks in time because of a cash flow problem. I might be wrong, but I think that that is the reason oh. and we need, to, we need to do better. Final question for you, Mary, and I think sometimes this is overlooked. I wonder how many of the class of 22 remain from the original group that started off in grade one all those, all those years ago. We do seem to lose learners along the way. So it's not particularly uh, focused on the metrics, but just the general system, because that hurts a bit sometimes as well and contributes to the poor pass rate. It, it contributes to the poor pass rate, but it also contributes to um, the way we understand the pass rate, because the pass rate is those learners who survive all the way to writing grade 12, whereas we do lose many along the way. This is an area that I need to write about because there's so much misinformation out there. Um, Education is compulsory up until the age of 16. All of the research shows that there's a very small dropout rate before the age of 16 or 
um, to the end of grade nine. So in the data that the DG presented, he showed a kind of linear thing, enrollment in grade one all the way through. That That isn't helpful. Our learners proceed on the whole until they either reach grade nine or they're 16. What complicates reading this linear, how many in every class, um, is because you have high levels of repetition within the system. So there's peaks of repetition at different ages. And so that repetition, that sense of failure, contributes to young people at the age of 16, 17, particularly when they reach grade 10, a sense of personal failure, a sense of why am I even trying? And not a conscious decision with the family of I'm going to leave school. It's more often a gradual disengagement from school. You bunk, you don't go. Increasingly, you don't go. Then after a while, you remember you actually haven't been now for several weeks, you may as well not go back. Now that dropout rate from grade 10 and above is a huge challenge in society, not just because um, those learners leave without a qualification, but because of the social problems associated with leaving with a huge sense of personal failure and alienation and a sense of not being included. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Any last words, Mary, before we say goodbye? You know, maybe if if you'll allow me, there's something that I see it on Twitter all of the time, this national sense that people can pass matric with 30%. It is absolutely ill-informed and inaccurate. And to be a little bit bold in the 30 seconds that that I think you'll give me, (laughs) it's it's actually an insult to all of our learners who achieved far higher than that. And next time you're around a dinner table or around a beer and someone said the pass rate is 30%, say, absolutely incorrect, do your reading. Now, I've got you down as an expert of education with a career in politics as well. What is your correct title so that I can at least say goodbye properly? I prefer to be called Mary. Um, but at the moment, I am Professor of Practice at University of Johannesburg. Professor Mary, then, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate the chat. Have a good day. Thank you, Darren. Bye. That was today's edition of Behind the Herald Headlines with Darren Mann.